<laughs> oh, Esther, I do have a testimony from your stringing pearls. Oh my gosh. Okay, so oh, yeah. it's actually through, I've never heard of stringing pearls before I joined the Bible study. So I've um, been doing that recently with, as I study my Bible. And uh, I have a Bible study I joined with some friends that I go to church with. And um, I've been trying to like mm. bring them into the light, not like the light, but like, you know, I went, I go to Mountain mm. of Fire. I think I shared that when I first um, joined mm. the Bible study and stuff. So I'm trying to learn a lot of like religion, false doctrine, things like that. So I, I, I was doing the stringing pearls and stuff. And um, I, I went through it. It was, um, it was talking about Jesus's crucifix. Um, crucifixion and I, I went through it and I did the stringing mm-hmm. pearls and um, I feel like this is like one of the few times well not few times obviously the Holy Spirit always speaks to us but actually was patient and listened and I didn't just make my own assumptions and through the stringing pearls I was mm-hmm. able to like go through and actually you know see like compare Old Testament to New Testament and actually see what God was you know trying to relay and I waited on the Holy Spirit and he gave me a revelation and I was so happy. And I shared it with them and they're like, yeah, they're like, it's not by, it's not by, you know, your might. It's, it's just, it's God that gave you this revelation. <laughs> but through the Holy Spirit that you were able to <laughs> I was like, thanks guys. And I told them, I was like, stringing yeah. pearls, it's just exercise I learned about. Yeah. So thank you so much. <laughs> That's so cool. That's cool. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah so um this scripture is very interesting like I, I was saying that you know during one of my bible studies somebody asked me the question and it was it was a very interesting time in my life because I did not know what to say um when she asked the question I just kept flipping my bible I was just going back and forth like you know when you don't know what to say you're just like I need to be that you know that I'm actually trying to be busy but in my mind I'm like nope I don't know what to say um, I'd never actually asked the question before and it's a, a question that I've, I've heard a number of people ask so it's like oh at the Mount of Transfiguration if the Bible is not fictional how was it possible that the disciples could identify that it was Moses or Elijah um <clears throat> How did they know that it was Moses and Elijah? And then this lady was asking the question. The day she asked me the question, it was a bit different. And I knew that I came from a sincere place because she started crying. And she was like, I really want to know. I've been asking so many people. I've gone on Bible Hub. I haven't found anything um, that was helpful. So I'm just like, okay, you know, it's simple. Let's go online. We'll check. We'll go on Bible Hub. We'll definitely see one or two commentaries. We'll bring everything together to make sense. So I checked Bible Hub, and so many people had so many stories, just different things that they had to share, and it didn't really make sense. So it wasn't so helpful. So um, I told her that I didn't know what it meant. Somebody, um, I told her, oh, I, I don't understand. I don't really get it because I've never really asked this question before. So a guy was there and the guy tried to, you know, he actually dropped something that was quite helpful and he just drove me to study. So the guy was like, oh, Elijah was a prophet. Moses was the one the Lord gave the law to. Um, and, you know, everything culminating in Jesus. Jesus was both a prophet and it was an embodiment of the law. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. But then I didn't think it was enough because I really needed to see it in scripture, see 
what scripture was trying to say, the things that I had missed out, um, and you know, just to make sense of it. So I started studying it. I started studying it about last year, and then um, mid towards mid or so, I think mid last year, I was still on it because I was in it for a while, and then I met a friend. Um, and I talk about him all the time, but I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that I can ever talk about my journey with studying without mentioning his name. His name is Rabbi Noah. Um, so we had a conversation about it, and he, you know, encouraged me to go back to scriptures and study it because actually Rabbi Noah has spent a lot of time studying the Old Testament. Um, so he wasn't so vast with the New Testament as much. But then, you know, um, just having conversations with him, even if he had not spent a lot of time studying the New Testament, he could actually make a lot of sense from what was being said in the New Testament. And that's how I know that the, the Old Testament is so key in understanding the New Testament. Um, so the moment you understand the Old Testament, a lot of things that Paul said in the epistles start to make sense. You know, they start to make a whole lot of sense when you're seeing it because Paul wasn't just seeing it through the Jewish perspective, which is the issue of their their the their the experience that we have now. So the Jews just see the Tanakh, which is the books of the Old Testament, as um, you know, the only books. But um, Paul actually, you know, he was a Jew and he was also a Pharisee. Um, so we see that Paul actually had insights into the Old Testament as a Jew and a Pharisee. He had a scholar's, scholar's perspective, but then by his encounter with Christ, you know, Paul started to see the spiritual implications of the things that were being said or things that were said in the Old Testament. So when he was talking about it and he was narrating it from a spiritual perspective, you know, you, you had a, a bunch of people that would say, you know, what Paul's words are very hard to understand. But, um, you know, it was not just about being difficult. God actually opened Paul's eyes to see, which is what he was saying in the book of Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter two, when he was saying that, you know, the mystery that the Lord hid you know, from the foundations of the earth is being revealed by him. On one hand, when I, this is digress, this is me digressing. But whenever I think about that statement, I, my heart literally flusters. And it feels like somebody is slapping me because I'm just like, Paul was a human being like me. You know, like everything that Paul wrote, <laughs> it wasn't like anybody was telling him something that already existed. God was actually revealing fresh things through Paul. And that always like, challenges me and it encourages me at the same time because I'm just like okay there there are definitely so much that God wants to say to us it's not like anything that as that will be said has not already been said but then it's just so beneficial like just truly allowing God to help us see him in the old testament you know it's and it gives us such a it gives us such a it gives us such a childlike heart, you know, to embrace what we see in the New Testament. Like it just opens up. I, I always see it as this sunflower. When I go to the New Testament, it just feels like a sunflower. It's just opening up and, you know, it just makes me reverence God more. Like, you know, I just, I, it makes me, it just always humbles me. I'm just like, this God is just so intelligent. Like, you know, just through the journeys from the Old Testament and then seeing how it unfolds in the New Testament. It's so beautiful. 
And another thing is that, you know, in the Old Testament, the people, the mindsets that he had, they, were, they didn't have the mind. They didn't have the, they, God was prepping them, you know. When we see with the commandments, with the laws, the, you know, the instructions that God was giving them in the Old Testament, they were very different from the laws or the instructions that he was giving them in the New Testament. You know, what was happening was, you know how you prime somebody's mind, you're priming, he was priming them, you know, priming their hearts is like, you know, when you have to till a ground to make it a good place or a fertile place to plant seed. So what God was doing through the Old Testament when he brought them out from, you know, Egypt was that he was tilling the ground. He was literally helping them to, he was massaging their hearts. So by the time he was talking to them about the Passover, when Jesus came, you know, for those that were followers of Jesus, it was easy for them to understand. It's like, oh, a wow moment. Oh my God. So this is what God was trying to do. Or this is what God was trying to say from the very beginning. When Jesus was talking about living water, you know, it was a wow moment for a number of them that had heard their parents pray for living water in the desert. So, you know, God was priming their heart. And so when we look at it that way, we also see ourselves. We see that even in our journeys with God, you know, there are certain instructions that God doesn't give to us immediately. Um, he starts to prime our hearts, you know, and then he gets to a particular point where he's like, okay, I want you to lay down your life. But at the time God comes in, the time God comes and says, I want you to lay down your life, we notice that he doesn't come at the point where we're still trying to understand what is the essence of this whole Christianity journey or what are we doing? You know, so there is, even in our lives, there is bringing out from Egypt, you know, there is the commandments that he gives to us. And whether we like it or not, we start to see that, okay, as a believer, I can't do certain things anymore. I have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has to, you know, there's a new life, there's a new culture, there's a new way, there's a new path, you know, and as we evolve, we start to see how Jesus starts to, you know, become real to us, what it means to be a Follower. So, you know, when we look at the Old Testament, we see our lives, we see, you know, it's, it's a mirror, but then at the same time, we see how God is both a mirror and a window, you know, so it's so important to go through um, the Old Testament. So yeah, when when this when this question came, you know, it was easier for me to just say, oh, this is what I think they're trying to say because I think that this is what Jesus is. But having conversations with Noah, Noah was like, you know what? I'll encourage you to go back to the Old Testament and check out, you know, the stories um, and see what it says. And so yeah, this thing that I shared took me about a little over a year. Um, you know, to just study it and, um, you know, and yeah, so my prayer is just that, you know, in sharing this, I'm praying that there'll be an acceleration and it won't take you so long, you know, and I know it won't take you so long. Actually, that was the word the Lord gave me yesterday, you know, he talked about an acceleration, you know, in terms of opening up things. So things that will take some people five years, to find out, you know, um, the Lord will just embrace them to give it to people in a day. One of my teachers taught me something in less than an hour, and that thing was something that he was, that took him two years or three years to learn. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, so this is very, very fundamental. Um, you know, just understanding the transfiguration and understanding that. So I'm not going to give the answer, but I'm going to give 
um, that's, this was my first question I had. How did the disciples? Okay, yes. So I'm not going to give the answer, but I'm going to give the answer, and I'm not going to give the answer outrightly. Yes, so the next thing I wanted to indicate is that Malachi is not the last book in the Old Testament. Um, I have recommended some translations for us to study or use while we're studying, um, and I'm just going to say it again, Complete Jewish Bible, you can find that on New Version, and Orthodox Jewish Bible, you'll also find that on New, on New Version. There's another translation, New Messianic Version, NMV, you'll find it on New Version as well. So when you're going through that, um, those um, you know, translations, you'll see that the last book in the Old Testament is Second Chronicles, um, not the book of Malachi. So <clears throat> Because we've seen that, oh, the book of Malachi ends the Old Testament, but then by the time they rearranged it from the original text, from the, to the semi-original text, to the semi-original text, you know, the last book was <coughs> the book of Malachi. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. The book of Malachi. Thank you. The book of Malachi. But then when you check this other translations you see that the last book was second chronicles so when we're talking about the transfiguration we cannot necessarily say that the book of malachi was some form of um you know prophecy um yes it does play a role and i'm not negating that it does play a role in the fulfillment but then um you know, technically, it's not the last book in the Old Testament. It was the book of Second Chronicles. And that's why when you're studying scriptures, you see that First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, it just kind of feels like First and Second Chronicles is basically reiterating everything in First and Second Kings. It's just like, oh, is it that people didn't know what to write, you know? But the, the repetition is more like a recap. So, and that's why it is the last book of the Old Testament because it's to recap everything that happened from the book of Judges, the books of Kings, the books of Prophets, and then the um, and then the genealogies. And that's why when you get to the epistles, the epistles starts with, you know, genealogies. Um, so yeah, so that being said, we cannot necessarily use that as a uh, for this, for the transfiguration. Um, next thing is when we're studying this scripture, we see that um, <clears throat> it starts with the transfiguration. Or if you want to start with the book of Matthew, so you start with the transfiguration. Um, you start to see so many things. And so please, like, you know what we did last week, Saturday, when you're studying, you have to look out for things that are very symbolic. Um, in this, in Matthew 7, it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. So now that's the first thing we see in verse one. He led them up to a high mountain by themselves. So you take note of that. The people he took the day, you know, um, the people he took where they went to and the, were there other people, or he says they went there by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. Now, when we're studying this, if you're studying this, um, I would, that's in the email I, I you know, I um, suggested or the email I sent, I suggested using Bible Hub. So when you go to Bible Hub, you know, um, like I said, going to scriptures, it's so key and will benefit more when we actually have the assumption that we don't know the story because sometimes we miss out on so many things because we think we already know the narrative. 
So um, when we see here is um, to transfigure means the, the Greek word is met metamorphosi. Metamorphosi is a Greek word. And then when we look at metamorphosi, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? <coughs> what comes to mind when you think of metamorphosi? Metamorphosis. Sorry? Metamorphosis. Me exactly. Thank you so much. So you think about that, and then when you think of metamorphosis, what comes to heart? Yeah, I like that word, change. Um, so what does it necessarily mean to change, you know? Um, what does this mean? Um, and when you're using your Bible hub, you start to see it says transform. There is um, metamorphosis, change after being with or changing, properly changed after being changed. The root word is metamorphosis or metamorphosize, which means to transform. So literally what we're seeing here is Matthew documenting something about Jesus's appearance changing. And what does it mean for his appearance to change? It doesn't, it doesn't mean he turned into a monkey. Did he turn into something, you know, other than his actual form? Or was there something else that Matthew was talking about that, you know, we're not seeing here? You know, so when we use a Strong's Dictionary, we start to see that it's turned into another form. Christ or his appearance was changed or he was transfigured. Um, he was resplendent with a divine brightness. You know, we start to see different things. He was transformed into the same image of consummate excellence that shines in Christ. He reproduces the same image. Um, and then we start to look at this thing. Um, and, and as I'm saying this, I'm saying this change over and over again. Does anything come to heart? Does any scripture come to heart? Does any word that Paul actually spoke or wrote about come to heart? It's very, very popular scripture very popular we actually use it some people have used it to talk about proposals and knowing the will of god does anybody want to try okay yeah there's change from glory to glory yes amazing that's from second corinthians um it's change from glory to glory and then we with open faces remember that scripture and then we always open faces who behold him, you know, exactly. Thank you, Chidima. Renewal of the mind. Yes, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word for transformation in that scripture was metamorphosize. Yes, Roman service too. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 also says, we now all having been unveiled in face, the glory of the Lord, beholding as in a mirror, the same image as being transformed into from glory to glory, even as the Lord, you know, even as the Lord or even as the Spirit. Now, if you look at that scripture, <coughs> Second Corinthians 3 verse 18, what does that scripture remind you of? Does anybody want to try what the Second Corinthians three verse eighteen remind you of? Second Corinthians three verse eighteen. We see here Paul is talking about an unveiled face. <laughs> what does he remind you of? Three verse eighteen. 
not knowledge. It reminds you of a scripture, Chidima. There's a scripture. No, there's a scripture that Paul is 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 comparing. Yes. And we who with unveiled faces, he says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory, which comes, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yes, Moses. Exactly. So we're seeing Moses. We're seeing Moses um, in this scripture, you know. We're seeing Moses. We're seeing Moses. We're seeing Moses everywhere. It says, we see, we see, but a dim reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I know fully, even as I am fully known. You know, it, it talks about... Um, you know, um, for God is to let, let light shine, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we're seeing all these things. We're seeing all these scriptures that are now popping up, you know. It starts to give us a better, deeper understanding of what he meant when he said he was transfigured before them. Um, and this conversation now takes us a whole to another level because he starts to talk about Jesus the man and Jesus Christ the Messiah. We know that Christ actually means, you know, the anointed one. And then we have the spirit of Christ, which Paul literally talks about in Colossians chapter one. You know, we see how Paul separated Jesus from Jesus Christ. You know, we see how Paul separated Jesus from Christ. In Jesus in uh, Colossians one before um, chapter 13, 13 are about you know he spoke about jesus being the spitting image of the father and then he talks about christ that is the one that holds things together you know the one that holds things together the one that um you know everything was created and nothing was created outside of him we still see that this same paul spoke about moses that that encountered christ you know when he struck the rock and he says that the rock that he struck was christ we also see in first peter chapter 1 verse 11 peter was talking about the spirit of christ that was upon the prophets and he was in the in the prophets and he was talking to them about the sufferings that he would endure when he comes in the body of jesus you know so we see that um in this place now when when we start to think about that scripture we see that here peter is not just talking about jesus the man that was walking in galilee but then he's talking about the christ the revelation of the christ that was in jesus and that's the transfiguration and that's the same brightness that Paul, or sorry, that Moses encountered that caused his face to shine. Um, and that's the same, you know, the, the same expression or the same um, encounter that we can say Ezekiel experienced in Ezekiel chapter one. So we're seeing here again that he was transfigured before them. So there was a revelation of the Christ. There was revelation of Christ in them. There was a knowledge, you know, that they experienced that they had never experienced before. There was seeing the Christ that was not just Jesus, but then seeing the Christ that orchestrated the universe, seeing the Christ that John was talking about in John chapter one, verse one. So now we can see why John will say in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. And that word was the light of men. 
and that light came to earth and then the men could not recognize it and the light shone in darkness and darkness could not comprehend. So we see that there was a revelation that was not just about Jesus. You know, it was not just Jesus, the man, but it was Christ, the ruler, Christ, the word from the very beginning. It was Christ, the one that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. It was Christ that was the rock. It was Christ that, you know, we start to see him in everything. And then this was the Christ that he encountered. And yet we see Paul, Matthew saying there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Now, if we look at this again, does this remind you of anything? Um, or I'll just, just make it very fast. Does it remind you of anything? There was somebody, one of the disciples that actually described, you know, Christ um, somewhere in the latter part or the later part, um, the later part of the New Testament. Can anybody try? Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. He spoke about his face like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. So now it wasn't just Jesus, the man that they were seeing. They had a revelation of Christ. They had a revelation of Christ. And then it says, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared before them talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If I have goosebumps, this is just such a powerful, every time I read this. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. How did, how did Peter know? <clears throat> how did Peter know that this was Moses and this was Elijah? So now the thing is, um, there is a revelation that is in Christ. You know, like I said, in 1 Peter 1 verse 11, you know, Peter was talking about the spirit of Christ. I'm just going to read that scripture. When I, when I first saw it, I remember just screaming. I just kept screaming. I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. 1 Peter 1 verse 11, um, you know, it says, um, concerning the salvation, this, the prophets who foretold the grace to come to you searched and investigated carefully. This is verse 10. Verse 11 says, trying to determine the time and, set, and setting to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to come. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they were not serving, they, when they foretold the things not announced by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So, but we see this that you know what they encountered was a revelation of Christ. And every time we see Christ in Scripture, the Anointed One, you know, um, I can't remember. I don't think we've ever spoken about names before, and I feel like we should talk about names because it's very important. But every time we see in Scripture, no, I think we did. No, I think we touched on it two weeks ago. Um, I was asking a question about names. I see that these people just have names and they end up doing what the name talks about or what the name means. Um, so basically, when we see throughout scriptures, you know, we see that um, when a name is given, it's not necessarily about the name, but it's about the action. So we see the individual leaving out the action. So best believe that when there is a spirit of Christ, which is the anointed one, the spirit of Christ or the spirit of the anointed one comes with an anointing. And when there is an anointing, there is a revelation because that's what the anointing does. The anointing brings light. When the spirit of light comes, there is definitely going to be an enlightenment. There's definitely going to be revelation. You know, there's definitely going to be an understanding 
him. And that's why Paul talked about it. He says, if that spirit that was in Christ, you know, the spirit that quickened Christ, you know, if that spirit that, that raised up Christ from the dead, if that same spirit lives in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. And um, so there is a quickening, there is a bringing to life when the spirit of Christ is there. So we best believe that this thing that was happening wasn't just about Jesus changing and glowing like he used highlighter, but then we see that Jesus you know, was in that moment being transfigured into the very image of Christ. So we can talk about the very fullness of Christ that was revealed in him. There was a turning, there was a transfiguration that was happening. And why did this happen before them? It was for them to see the possibility of who they could become. It was for them to see the possibility and see the hope for which they were living. So it wasn't just about Jesus changing his image so that they could think that he did a cool thing, but Jesus was showing them what they could be. Because in Colossians, he also talks about, you know, Jesus or Christ being the, for it pleased the Father to put the fullness of the deity in Christ Jesus, that through him we will come into the fullness of God. You know, we also see that play out in Ephesians chapter 3, where it talks about, you know, the Godhead being placed in the physical Jesus or the or, or Christ, you know, for him to be the embodiment of the God, the fullness of the Father. So best believe that at the time that Jesus was transfigured, they were not just seeing Jesus, they were seeing Christ. They were seeing, they had an encounter with Christ. And in encountering Christ, <clears throat> we see that, you know, there is light, there is revelation, there is insight, there is, a, there is an enlightenment that happens. And then, you know, in the place of the enlightenment, see what Peter says, you know, scripture says they, they appeared before them. You know, every time, if you go through scriptures and you start to see every time there was an appearance before people, there was a revelation. When the angels appeared before Ezekiel, they prophesied. When the angel appeared before Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied. When he appeared to Samuel, Samuel prophesied. Every time there was an appearing, there was an instruction, there was an enlightenment. So Peter was not just talking like he was saying something nice. Peter saw something that was very profound. Peter had insight. Peter, you know, there was insight in that moment. And, you know, it's understanding the very depths of what Paul was talking about in Hebrews 12, when he spoke about the company of just men made perfect. That didn't just happen after Jesus died and resurrected. It was something that always existed. The spirit of just men made perfect. You know, we see that, you know, when we study the books of the prophets, we'll see that it kind of feels like a baton is being passed from one person to the other. You know, it's like one person is doing a work and then the other person continues. And there is one spirit that is flowing through them that Paul says in 1 Peter 1 verse 11 that this is the spirit of Christ that is actually speaking through these people. And it wasn't just the prophet. We also see with David, you know that, you know, um, in the book of... Um, <clears throat> I think Romans also, um, Abel was actually described as a prophet. You know, he described Abel as a prophet. I never knew that Abel was a prophet until I saw that. You know, but then it made more sense why Paul, why Paul would actually compare the spirit of Abel to the spirit of Christ because Abel was a prophet. You know, he said his blood cried out for justice. And I mean, we see so many, especially the prophets in Lamentation, you know, um, and even have a really crying out like dude god we want justice in our lands like i mean it's, it's not enough we see that also with david the prophets are always crying out or most of them cried out for justice 
So anyways, um, at this point, I'm going to pause. If there's any thoughts, questions, or feedback, um, please let me know before we continue. No thoughts, no question, no feedback. It's always awkward when everything is silent. Hope nobody has slept off. I'm just I'm I'm just going to say that I I never I never saw like there was if there was a difference or there was um a meaning behind them. I just always put them together like Jesus Christ. So I I didn't know that there was actually um something behind it like when when it says the uh, spirit of um, the christ or something i didn't know mm. that that was mm. that was there yeah mm. yeah from your it does it does <laughs> make sense okay. okay what did you say I said it, it. It makes it makes sense. Like when you asked me that question of who who um what does um, Moses part remind me of, and I said mm-hmm. I just God was the only person I could think. And, and I Jesus was the only person. I, I don't. I didn't even know what to say. So I was like, so who? It's only two of them that that had. Not only two of them, but those are the only two people that I can um interchange if. Um, a question like that is asked. So I was just, yeah. And thank you, thank you so much. I saw, uh, I can't remember. I saw somebody's comment. Um, somebody's message. I was thinking about how Abel was betrayed by his kinsmen as well as Jesus. Exactly. So when we start to look at these things, we'll see that it's just one long thread. Um that is going on that has been going on throughout scriptures the same thing the same thing over and over again just repeating itself um yeah thank you very much does anyone have any question any feedback so that we can quickly round up okay sure Bami, do you want to say something Okay. Actually, just I mean, before. Okay. Oh yes, okay. I am. I mean, I was just gonna say, I kind of it's kind of like a comment actually. So, like just before you had sent in the um the exercise, right? So I had like a friend of mine send me literally um the story of Elijah on the mount. So she literally mm-hmm. sent me like first things nineteen eight to fourteen that she needed some explanation on on that um scriptures kind mm-hmm. of like. What do I think? And I'm just like, and then when I now saw it on the list of things, I'm just like, okay, mm. I'm definitely going to do this now. So, <laughs> and then I had been postponing mm. it. The to be like on the weekend. I was like, oh, I was going to have a look at it. But I just like read through, mm. right? I didn't like do any deep, um, deep searching or just, or just like a brief reading through. And then I saw it up on mm. the, I'm like, oh, definitely I'm picking this one. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I wanted to say. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Bami. Thank you. So yes, um, just to reiterate, so don't forget, after six days, very significant, 
Jesus took with him, Peter, James, and John, the people that went with him, led them up to a high mountain. Um, we see again something I just want to quickly shed light on before we move forward. Um, every time we see mountain, there is always an elevation. Um, you know, let's go up to Jerusalem, let's go up the mountain. And, um, you know, just a quick tip. Okay. So when you look at the mountain, when you look at the tip of the mountain, what does it remind you of? There's an object that the mountain kind of remakes. Object. I think triangle when I think about the mountain. Yes, there is this thing is triangular. The tip, the tip of this object is triangular. It is long. It has a tip <laughs> that is triangular. Anybody? No star. Star has different like shapes. Yeah, you're very close, Bellava. Very, very close. Very close, very, very close to Bakary. <laughs> yes, so close. <laughs> sword? Yes, it's sword. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think of, so when you see like, you know, going up to the mountain there, you know, you, when you, when you start to go through scriptures and I, I want to, you know, encourage you maybe when you have like spare time just go through scriptures and you see that every time people go up the mounds there is a form of showdown there is a form of death in a sense you see that with abraham and isaac going up the mound to sacrifice isaac you see that with moses when he went up the mount when he was you know leading the sheep and then he saw the burning bush which is not just a burning bush it was a burning you know burning thorn um the name of the bush that Moses encountered is called Seneh, S-E-N-E-H, or Sneh, S-N-E-H, which is a type of plant that catches fire because it's oily. So what if Moses saw that it was quite common, um, but what was not common was the length at which the fire was going on for. Um, so we see the same thing with Moses going up, and when Moses came down from that mount, you know, Moses was not the same person that went up the mount um, because that was the day God called Moses. And if you study that scripture, you see that God almost killed Moses because Moses was not circumcised and he had made a covenant with God and his wife had to circumcise him quickly. So there was a death that actually happened um, when Moses went up Mount Sinai to collect the Torah and Moses came down, there was a death that yeah, exactly. Thank you. Like a point of transformation. Exactly. That's what happens in the mount. And we see that, you know, throughout scriptures, Elijah went to the mount. He was afraid, came out. He was not afraid anymore. Um, you know, we see Jesus going up the mount. When he went up the mount to prayer in the garden, he said, let's, if this, if it pleases you, let this cup pass over me. By the time he's done, he's like, after all, let your will be done, not my will. Jesus is um, sacrifice on a mount, Golgotha, outside the city gates. Um, in the Old Testament, a man sacrificed his son on the mount when he wanted to win um, a war. Um, we see a lot of things going on. You know, you will see Mount Zion. 
and we see the, the Jerusalem, the mountain of Jerusalem, you see that there was always mountain, there was always an elevation because the mount spiritually signifies a place of sacrifice. It signifies a place of letting go. And, you know, just like you said, a place of transformation where we let go of mm-hmm. ourselves and we, you know, take on what is God's. Um, and we also see that practice in other religion so for example some people say we're going up the mountain to pray um we're going up the mountain to do this even in buddhism you see that they go to the mountain um and when they go to the mountain to fast they believe that by the time they are done with the pilgrimage they become different people so the mountain is always a very very symbolic um you know kiss because it's the edge of a sword and what happens with the edge of a sword when the edge of a sword pierces you there is death and so sinai is actually called torn and torn has a tip and when that tip pierces it's you know considered symbolically like a sword so it's it's very very symbolic there um so he led them up a high mountain and so they're telling you how far this is you know how far this is you know and it's not coincidental um so yes like i said he transfigured us the revelation of christ and that revelation brought light and that was from that place that peter was able to see so there is this question oh, how did they know so for example exactly thank you so exactly because the sword pierces yes exactly so um you know how did they know i'll give you an example personally um around april i think yeah around april this year um you know i had the company it was so weird i had the company of um you know i had the company of of peter um not the peter book of peter but the actual peter and when that happened i didn't need anybody to tell me that this is peter esther open your eyes and see that this is peter you know um, I knew that he was the one in my conversations with him. I knew that he was the one, you know, my encounter, my relation with him, the questions I asked, the experience I was going through, I knew that he was the one. And I, I knew that the Lord sent him to me because of what I was dealing with at the time. Um, around um, May, around May, June, I was experiencing something. And my companion at that period was Paul. And it was such a privilege, you know, to just be in the company of Paul, not just his letters, but then he helped me um, to understand a lot of things. And I asked him a lot of questions, you know, or a number of questions. Um, and I've, I've actually personally encountered some saints that I have never met in my life before. But then there is a recognition that comes, you know, in my heart every time I encounter these people and I know that, oh, this is this, this is that, this is this. Um, it's just like having, you know, Christ appear to you. The first time Christ appeared to me, he had never appeared to me before. But when he did, I knew he was the one, you know, it took me a long time to realize. I mean, I think in that moment, I didn't realize immediately, but then it took me a while to actually realize that he was the one that appeared to me. So I have encountered people that I've never met in my life. You know, um, I've encountered Tesla, never met Tesla in my life. I didn't even know anything about him until I encountered him. You know, I, I, I have friends and, and I mean, I encourage you to be in El Shaka's class tomorrow because he'll be sharing more on this. Um, you know, there are so many people that I've experienced and I didn't need anybody to tell me. So 
that's my experience helped me to it gave me insight into what peter was experiencing or what the disciples were experiencing here that truly when paul was talking about the company of just men made perfect in hebrews 12 he was actually talking about a reality that is accessible to every believer and that's what they saw here they encountered moses they encountered elijah um, we also see jesus giving that clarity with lazarus um the rich man seeing Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and was able to know that this was Abraham so basically there is a spirit in us that is one spirit because truly and tr really and truly we are from one spirit one breath which is the breath of God you know and that breath that um that life you know that life is Christ you know you will call it the you know the Christocentric line or you know it's that life of Christ is what convicts you you know even before you become a believer it's what stirs your heart to know that it is the truth it's what stirs you to know that oh this is what the Lord is saying to me it is that spirit that helps us to discern what God is saying and what God is not saying you know it is beyond logic it's beyond logic um it can be processed logically, but then it is not something that can be explained logically because there is a sense that the Lord, you know, um, I mean, if you've not, if you've actually following, if you're following Delphine's page, you probably should listen to the podcast where David was talking about the Lord speaking to us through different faculties, you know, those faculties, the smell, the sense, the feeling, you know, the, the words, the pictures, images, all those things are mediums through which the Lord speaks to us. So when this was happening, it was a sense, you know, it was a knowing, and this happened by the quickening of the events, the revelation of Christ at that time. So, um, <laughs> you said this oh yeah it was such a good podcast so you know it was the revelation of christ there was an interpretation that was going on there was you know there was an interpretation that was being um that they were processing or that the lord was revealing to them at that time and in this moment the same way peter was able to say oh you are the christ you're the son of god you know was the same spirit that was actually revealing that this is Moses and this is Elijah to Peter and the disciples. So we see again that it wasn't even just, it wasn't the disciples, it was Peter that was talking. Um, yeah, and then Peter says this thing, oh, it's if we wish to build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This might sound very off and we might laugh at Peter, but then when we look at our lives and we see how this plays out, we see that there are times that we go on the mountain, there are times that we spend with God and we refuse to come down. We don't want to live life. We don't want to be realistic. You know, it's just like, oh, I want to walk in the cloud. I want to be on my bed all day dreaming. You know, God is saying something to me near and i just want to bask in fact that i'm hearing god's voice and i'm doing this i'm doing that i want to build a tent here and i want to live here you know i'm not going nowhere god has to push me by himself for me to go because i die here and that's the mindset that peter has like oh we're gonna die here all of us we're gonna die in this place because what we're seeing this is holy ground we're not moving an inch but you know basically it's how it's so beautiful how while peter was speaking it brought a bright cloud enveloped him and a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son you know ma'am well please listen to him when the disciples heard this they fell face down in terror knowing that you know they are just for real for real encountered the word that was at the very beginning of the world 
And it's interesting that the bright cloud that enveloped him wasn't just about, um, you know, enveloping, um, you know, wasn't just about the encounter with Jesus. It's so beautiful that he involves them as well. And we see, when we see this bright cloud, we also think about Moses' experience, you know, on Mount Sinai. So, you know, they, they, felt, they felt face down in terror because it's just like, dude, this just really hit us. Like, so we've been with the word that was at the very beginning, with the very force that created the earth and is holding the earth together. You know, the very force that is holding the planets and the constellations and everything and the water. This is the life. This is the person that, this is the, the, the being that everything on earth that is living and breathing draws life from. You know, and it can be very overwhelming. It can be a very overwhelming, um, you know, reality. And, and their, their reaction here beyond just, you know, um, hearing and, or discovering that, um, it was beyond hearing or discovering that, oh, this is the Christ. But then something hits them that was just, you know, deeper than, than you know, we can experience. Um, and then Jesus came over, touched them, get up, he said, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, do not tell anyone about this vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, Elijah does indeed come and he would restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but I've done to him whatever they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man will suffer at their hands. This is from the prophecy that Malachi gave, you know, when the Lord said, I will send Elijah and he would, re he would restore the children with the fathers, lest I come and destroy them. Um, and then seeing here, like this is so packed, you know, it's so packed. But then we see that Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. Um, you know, we see so many things happening here that there is Moses, there is Elijah. And then there is Jesus. I remember I said in Malachi, Malachi 4, um, from verse 2, it talks about the son of righteousness coming with healing in his wings. It talks about obeying the law of Moses. And then it talks about Elijah that will restore the sons to the fathers. So when we look at this this way um, and draw out the symbols, when we go back to reading Exodus, we start to see like, you know, different things that really, really stood out or that really stands out. Um, things that we probably have even overlooked, you know, before. Um, things that we overlooked before. Um, things that we probably didn't even notice were there. Um, you know, studying the scripture and taking time to actually, okay, what is God saying here? Or I have questions or I don't have any questions. Um, it actually gives the scripture a different meaning. Um, so I'm going to pause again, and I'm going to ask if there are any questions, comments, thoughts, or feedback. Yes, I have a question, please. What's the significance of Elijah? Like, the significance of Elijah. 
Yes. Okay. Like Elijah. Yeah. Okay, please go on. like, why is this so important? Why not Isaiah? Like, what is different about him? Elijah was a prophet that God raised at a time where Israel was undergoing like so many, not just being terrorized, but Elijah was um, that prophet that God raised um, to restore his people, to restore his people back to him. But also he was that prophet that the Lord specifically raised to decree justice and um, to decree justice over, over the land. So he was literally the one that was very adamant about seeing the day of the Lord um, being manifested. And then when we go through scriptures, we see that, you know, Elijah was one of the first, one of the first, actually one of the first prophets that, that one of the first people that actually sat in the office of, um, that actually sat in the office of a prophet. So we see that there was Samuel and then there was Nathan, but then Elijah was actually a prophet to the nation. He was a prophet to the nation of Israel. And he was, he, he was a prophet to the nation of Israel. You know, he was that prophet that God sent for restoration, you know, of Israel to the design that he had, um, to his original design. And then he was also pronouncing justice you know, over the land as well, justice and righteousness. So um, other than what Elijah was even doing, um, we start to see Elijah even in the feet or in the position of a forerunner. And this is like a really, really long conversation because we see forerunners, you know, all through scriptures. Samuel wasn't necessarily a forerunner, um, but we see foreigners literally being... Um, described explicitly you know in terms of Elijah um, Elijah and Elisha we see that with Moses and Joshua we see that with John the Baptist and Jesus and when we start to look at the meanings of their names let me even pause to actually show us the meaning of Elijah Elisha's name it's so interesting because Joshua the literal or the transliteration of Joshua is Joshua or Yehoshua, which literally means God saves. And that is Jesus' name because Jesus was Yeshua, which is God and God saves. And then we see the same thing with Elisha or Elisha. Elisha literally means God saves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So we see a pattern, you know, Elisha or Elisha, which is El which means God. And then Sha, we see that the, you know, the salvation or the root word of salvation in that um, God is salvation. That's the meaning of Elisha. Elisha is God is salvation. Joshua, Yeshua, meaning God is salvation. We see that with Yeshua, which is God is salvation. So we see with Moses and Joshua, he is the forerunner because as soon as Moses dies, God comes to Joshua and God says, Joshua, you know, my servant Moses is dead, and then yeah. he gives him this instruction. We see the same thing with Elijah and Elisha. You know, when he talks about when you see me, God says, Raise Elisha, you know, to take over from you. So there is literally a forerunning going on because when Elijah is about to die, Elijah hands over to Elisha. 
and then we see the same thing with Elijah being coming again in the spirit of the forerunner, um, actually in John the Baptist, and then there's a way that is made for Jesus. So Moses, in a sense, was a foreigner. Elijah was a foreigner. John the Baptist was a foreigner. And this whole, these people were not just for running for, for Joshua or foreigning for Elisha. They were all foreigners to leading up to the coming of the Christ in Jesus, you know, that was going to be the lamb that would be slain for the world. So we see Moses and Elisha coming in as, you know, foreigners, not just the law or the prophets, but then the law spoke about it. The prophets, Elijah, prophesied about it. And then we see the manifestation of Jesus. So they were foreigners for, you know, leading up to, up to Jesus. Thank you for that question. Really, really good. Yeah. So um, in Exodus 24, we see the same thing again. The Lord says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here so that I may give you the tablets of stones with the law and commandments I have written for your instructions. And Moses set out with Joshua, his attendant, and went up the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and whoever has a dispute can go to them. We see that going up the mount, we see that with the with the prophets, I'm sorry, with the elders, we see him going up the mount with Joshua. We see the same thing with Elijah, but Elijah is alone. Elijah goes there by himself, but when he goes there, the Lord talks to him about Elisha. So when we're reading the scripture again, um, like I was saying, the key is looking at the story of Jesus you know, let's spend time, you know, just studying the story of Jesus in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and then see the things that actually stand out, like some of the things that I've shared today. Um, and then when you go back and you study Moses on the mountain, you study Elijah on the mountain, you start to see different things. So, for example, in Exodus 24, it says that Moses went up the mountain and the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. With um with Peter, it says the 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 cloud settled on Peter, or the cloud covered Peter, and then he spoke to him. But when he sees um you know the the glory of the Lord covers him, um he has this conversation, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. Of the mountain top in the of Hello, do you want to mute your mic? Yeah. So with Elijah, we see Elijah going up the mount. But this time, with Elijah, it's not as dramatic as it was with Moses. It's not as dramatic as it was with Moses. God doesn't even speak with thunderings and fire and smoke. In fact, with Elijah, the thunderings, the fire, the smoke, God says, I'm not in those things. I am in the still small voice. And then we see with Jesus, there is no drama. There's no razzmatazz. You know, it is just this vision that these people have. But then beyond the drama, beyond the fire, beyond the smoke, beyond everything, what they encounter is something that's deepened their conviction. And that is the revelation of Christ, you know, on that very mount. So profound that when they were going down the mountain, remember 
going down the mount, you know, Jesus said, don't tell anybody what you are seeing on the mount. You know, and that reminds me of what Daniel experienced when he had the vision and God said, seal it for an appointed time. Um, because, I mean, the time for the unveiling has not yet come. So, I mean, this is just one very long story. I like to think of scriptures as just a very long commentary. You know, just like saying God loves you and then people come and want to describe it in different languages. And that's how I see scriptures. But then we cannot really see the value of, you know, this scripture until we actually see it from, you know, the Old Testament. And then finally, I remember asking a question if it was a shadow or a flow. There is this thing that we say a lot, oh, it was a typology, or it was a shadow, or it was a for this, or it was a that. Um, what I've seen or what I'm learning is that when we call something a typology or we call it a shadow, let's see what Paul was talking about when he said this was a shadow. He was talking about the food that was to be consumed. He was talking about the rights that you know people um, that people experience. Paul did not exactly call the experiences, the journey as types. He didn't talk about it as shadows. What Paul did was to help us see the spiritual significance of those experiences. So when we're talking about a shadow, a shadow is a shadow of something. So it is not really the thing. The main thing is the one in front. And when we see it that way, which is, again, another approach that we've had towards studying the Old Testament. We see the incidences or the experiences in the Old Testament as shadows. But again, again, and again, when Jesus had his conversations from Matthew to John, you know, if we keep looking at the words of Jesus, we'll see that Jesus always referred to the Old Testament. He referred to the book of Deuteronomy. He referred to Psalms. He referred to Isaiah. Those were three of his favorite books or things that he always referred to. And when Paul was talking about Jesus being the end of the law, when we study that word, it wasn't end as in full stop. It was end as in a culmination. So everything that the Lord said, everything that the Lord gave to Moses actually begins and ends with Christ. And that means that it consists or Christ consists of the law. Christ consists of the instructions. It consists of the commandments. Now, the beautiful thing is that not because we're in him, we are not obliged to buy rams and make sacrifices. We're not obligated to do all those things. But as long as we're in him, there are things that you know, consist that that Christ contains, you know, what one of which is love, one of which is hope, one of which is, you know, revelation, insight. These are things that Christ contains. These are things that are laws that governs him. These are laws that he lives by, if I might say that. You know, these are laws that he lives by. These are his laws, you know. And when we come to him, it's not about saying, oh, I can get away with anything. Now it's about submitting ourselves to him, that he will empower us to live the life that is him. So even in living the life, we know that we cannot lie. Is lying a part of the commandment? Yes, it is. We know that we cannot take life, you know, just like that. Is it part of the commandment? Yes, it is. We know that we cannot cheat our neighbor, lie to our neighbor you know, hurt our neighbor. Is it part of the commandment? Yes, it is. But now we are not obligated to, um, oh, checking out and 
that are striking mm-hmm. things out. Oh, oh, my life has to be this. Okay, today I'm not going to do this, so I'm going to strike it out. The only thing that we're living by is being empowered by him to live the life that he is. Um, so really, Jesus did not come to say, oh, scrap everything else. Just follow me, you know. Um, even when he said, um, um, you know, love your neighbor, love the Lord with all your heart, you know, for this is the entirety of the commandments. If we go through the, the, the commandments, we see that, you know, the commandments is actually divided into two. There's a commandment that is, you know, that is, that falls under the category of loving the Lord. There's a commandment that falls under the category of loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we still see it there. You know, it's, it's the beautiful thing is, again, like I said, the time they had a list. They had to write it down. They had to, you know, put it on their doorpost. They had to do all those things just so that they could strike things out, just keep striking them out, keep striking them out. But then with Jesus, you know, we see that in him, in Christ, these things, these principles, they, 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 they exist in him. If Jesus was a person, Jesus would not convert his neighbor's wife or steal his neighbor's property. If Jesus was a person, Jesus would love, if Jesus was, I mean, Bami, Jesus would love the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his might. You know, if, if Jesus was me, Jesus would love my neighbor with, with everything. So basically, it's like living in him to live the life that is him. So again, Jesus following Christ is not saying that we can get away with anything. It's not saying that we can get away with laziness or irresponsibility. No, it's not saying that, you know, grace, grace is not all grace has covered for everything. Grace is the ability to live like Christ. And what, 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 what that means is the, the equipping or the, the enablement to live the life that is like Christ. So it's not covering up for irresponsibility. It's not an excuse for getting away with things. Grace is given to us, you know, because there is a desire in the Father's heart to make us or to conform us or renew us or mold us into the image of Christ. And that grace that is given to us enables us to live that life. So my point is saying that everything that happened in the Old Testament is a shadow, is us selling ourselves short. There are so many things that happened in the Old Testament that are very significant. So many things were said in the Old Testament that are very significant. A bunch of dreams, a bunch of prophecies that were shared in the Old Testament. They are not shadows. A number of those things have not even happened yet. So we would we call them shadows? You know, a number of things that, you know, Paul wrote, about, I'm sorry, David wrote about in the Psalms. We're still experiencing them now. Songs of Solomon, you know, it's about the church. It wasn't just a shadow. When we see um, the book of, um, you know, um, Proverbs and even Ecclesiastes, things that, you know, he spoke about are things that we're still experiencing now. We can't call them shadows, you know. So there are so many things that were said that are actually happening now. But when we see them as a flow, in that we see that God started something and time began to unveil those things to us to help us to understand them even deeper. You know, it gives us a sense of, you know, reverence and wonder. And it just brings us to our knees because we see a God that has always been intentional about mankind. 
and intentional about us. God saw Nigeria, God saw South Africa, God saw these nations, and how could he reach out to them? You know, because definitely, we're not going to understand the Hebrew or the Jewish laws of, oh, kill a ram or have a farm. I mean, what if you don't have money to build a, a land or have a farm? You know, God saw all these things, but then he started a work from the very beginning that was going to, you know, reach us in such a way that we could relate. And, you know, that's why he raised people like Paul that had hearts for the Gentiles and was able to help us see that, okay, these things are not necessarily um, the thing. The main thing is Christ. God was talking about Christ when he talked about the sacrificial lamb. God was talking about Christ when he was talking about the scapegoat. God was talking about Christ when he was talking about the holy of holies. And these things are, you know, not the real thing. The real thing is Christ. And that's what Paul was saying. But then over time, we've used that statement as a justification to debunk everything else that was written in the Old Testament. But we need to understand the Old Testament in order to, for us to truly appreciate what was written in the New Testament by the, uh, by the, by the, um, by the disciples, by, by, you know, by the disciples and the apostles, you know. Um, and I'm just going to wrap up with this. The book of Jude made reference to some apocryphal books. You know, these people did not have the New Testament. The only time, the only thing they had when they said scriptures, because Jesus spoke about scriptures, says, oh, in the scriptures, Jesus read the scriptures, disciples read the scriptures. So what scriptures were they reading? What scriptures did they interpret? You know, and we cannot really understand what they are saying if we don't actually put ourselves in the picture and allow God to make us a part of the story. So when we're reading the book of, when we're reading about the Israelites, we're not saying, oh, these people were mad. You know, we start to see ourselves in the story. God brought us out of Egypt. What was your Egypt when you were living in darkness, when you were rebelling against God, when you were fighting against him? God brought us out of Egypt. You know, God gave us a new commandment. God started to do works in our lives. When we see the, the, the times the Israelites will come, they'll go, they'll come, they'll go. We see that play out in our lives. There are times where today Jesus is my homeboy. Tomorrow is just like, oh, I don't even know. It just somehow, it just did me one kind. You know, we see that play out in our lives. When we start to see ourselves as part of the story, when we ask God to help us do that, you know, scriptures just come alive. So in order for us to understand this particular narrative, you know, like I said at the beginning, we have to have that heart that there was something that happened in the Old Testament that was that makes this particular moment very symbolic and why Paul will talk about it in Second Corinthians and talk about it again in Romans and Peter will talk about it again. You know, um, we see Peter talking about it in Second Peter 1 verse 16, but we did not follow clever devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were, eye, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, but we received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the word of the prophets, Elijah, you know, as confirmed beyond doubt, 
and you will do well to pay attention to it. Again, this is Malachi. Pay attention to the law of Moses as to a lamb shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must, not, you must understand that no prophecy or scriptures comes from one's own interpretation, for no such prophecy was ever brought forth by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see Peter explaining what they, they experienced and see him talking about it as not just a story. You know, when, this is one of my favorite scriptures. You know, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart the morning star being christ the morning star being christ and like i said there is a coming of christ in the heart of man that actually brings illumination and that's what he's saying here you know he's talking about people that were that have been illuminated you know it's like that is why i can lay down my life for him because i know what i saw i know what i touch i know what i handle you know that that um, transfiguration is such a powerful time in history and it's such a foretelling it's a beautiful and hopeful foretelling of you know what christ wants to do in our lives and the possibility of a transformation that is beyond anything anybody could ever do and that's what god was saying when he revealed himself to moses and moses came down and his face was glowing Come on, these people were used to people that they were used to pagans, and then they saw a man coming down a mount and his face was shining. It was obvious that Moses had been with God, and the Lord had transformed Moses, you know, into something else that they could not understand. And when Elijah encountered God at the mount, Elijah came down and he was bold. You know, this was someone that was running away for his life. We always talk about how, oh, I can never understand Elijah. After all the powerful things he did, he was still running away. He was still unsure. No, God told Elijah, there are 7,000 people that have not bowed down just like you. You know, and I'm giving you a strategy. And you go, you do this, you anoint this. If this man escape one person, he can't escape the second. He can't escape the third person. So Elijah came out from that mountain a different person. Jesus came came down from that mountain you know a different person but more than anything his disciples came down from that mountain different people you know so that is such a key um moment for us as believers there is an encounter with god that changes the life of a man and literally that is what christ wants to do in each and every person you know is the possibility and is a reminder of a transformation and and that's what Paul and Peter was saying you know from verse 19 of this scripture it says we have the word of prophets as confirmed beyond doubt there is a prophet just like Malachi said and you will do well to pay attention to it as a lamb shining in a dark place that is the word that is the Torah that's the covenant until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart Remember what um, Malachi called him? Who can remember? Malachi called him a name. Malachi described Christ with a word that is so similar to this word. Does anybody want to try so that we can end this thing? Up? Um, 
Yes, thank you so much, Kachi, the son of righteousness. So we see Peter playing this backward. Peter starts with the prophets, then the law, and then the son of righteousness. But then Malachi started with the son of righteousness, the law, and then the prophets, you know. So we see how these three things were played out in just this verse 9. And it's so important. It talks about how the law and the prophets leads us to actually this point where we see the sure word of prophecy that is embedded in the word which is both the written word and the word that is spoken out of the mouth of God, how this word is given to us for a transformation. That transformation comes from the inside out. You know, it's not opposite. The radiation comes from within. So best believe that Moses did not just glow because light rubbed off on him. There was a glowing that came from within him. There was a shining, a light that came from within him, that light being Christ. And we see the same thing with Jesus. There was a radiation that came from within him. The transformation came from inside. You know, nobody casted a spell on him. It came from inside out. You know, and that's what he's saying here as well. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, you know. Um, and it, when it rises in our hearts, it comes out, it radiates. Our faces, for some people, our faces might not shine. But best believe that I have seen literal people's faces shining actually like in in moments in in just moments of of fellowshipping and and being i mean you can even check a video online Catherine coleman her face was actually glowing during one of our ministrations you know um so yeah um if anyone has any question or any comment at all please let me know if this will help your studies moving forward and i hope that you know you guys will not leave me hanging um so any question can you have any questions yes okay the question i was asking in the group um like you said i was speaking in tongues the question is you know um these guys um the disciples peter james and john had already known the story of course about moses and elijah and your encounter mm-hmm. on the mountain. And now mm-hmm. um linking it to linking it to how the face of Moses changed. Um mm-hmm. how the face of Moses changed and it's also sh- and it was shining when he came down from the mountain. Mm-hmm. So now I was looking at it from the aspect of okay, Jesus was the one that they actually encountered. So now it's mm-hmm. it's highlighting the right. it's highlighting um the Christ, the divine being in Jesus, mm-hmm. as well. When they mm-hmm. were in that mountain, this was who they encountered. Mm-hmm. So, like mm-hmm. the the um, this thing, the 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 experience was for the disciples to see who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. was the one those guys encountered during their experiences on the mountain. So that was the question yeah. I was asking. Are you asking the question now, or you got to the answer? I'm asking, am I in line? Like, is it like, am I in line? Okay, so the question is that was it because the Christ wanted to reveal himself to them? Is that what you're saying? Yes, like, was it is that the essence of Christ? Like, you know, it was okay, Jesus described as a vision, so more Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what actually happened in that mountain. These guys saw me in that mountain, Mm -hmm. I'm the one that Mm -hmm. they met. So, like, mm-hmm. revealing himself as the divine Christ to yeah. 
disciples to them. Yeah. It was it was part of it, you know, revealing okay. itself to them. Yeah. Okay. It was part of it. Thank you. I feel like that makes sense because sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it makes sense because I mean just reading that part again and it says that they should not tell anybody until the son of man is risen, right? So yeah. I feel like they had just had a revelation of who he was, like the son of man, son yeah. of man. Yes. Yes. Well, right? yes. So this is like a confirmation that this is the actual son of man. Like they had no shadow yeah. of that after this experience. Yeah. 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 And they needed and and, and in the kingdom there is there is a system of you know which is what we call testimonies. So when people share testimonies, they are serving as witnesses because in heaven there is a court, you know. So there is a there is an actual court, there is a there is a literal court and and people testify in court. So they testify about what somebody has done. Um, and those people that testify are called eyewitnesses. So literally, you know, it's like they needed to we they needed to be witnesses of you know of these experiences. Um, but yeah, like it was it was one of the one of the reasons for that. And that scripture in in Exodus that okay after mm. after um after Moses had broken the commandments and he, he had to go up again. And then God revealed himself and then he was, um, I, I don't know, let me just paraphrase. When God was saying, the Lord is, the Lord is moving before you in goodness and yeah. you're just like, more, more like praising himself. So, you know, mm-hmm. this scripture also that, that talked about the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That kind of stuff mm-hmm. of where God is talking to himself or like, is it, was he emphasizing mm-hmm. Was he talking about his son? Let me put it that way. Like, or was he just talking mm-hmm. about himself? Or was he trying to differentiate two God, two gods in? I don't know how to put it. Why don't you get what I'm trying to say? Like, he was saying the Lord, the Lord, and he was talking about the Lord yeah. again. So was he like um, separating two beings in one, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an amazing question. I feel like it will take a while, but then, like, I think the long and short story of it is from the very beginning, we see that, you know, we see the union of God, and for something to be united, then it means that there are multiple expressions of God, if that makes any yeah. sense. So um, we see, let us create man in our image. We yeah. also see that man has become like us, knowing good and evil. We see that yeah. again at the Tower of Babel. It says, you know, let us go down. <laughs> let us go down and destroy their work. So we see a lot of, um, you know, that's, that expression saying, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus yeah. saying, my spirit in first corinthians paul talked about you know who knows the heart of a man except the spirit of the man for indeed we have the spirit of christ so we see like the separation and it's not necessarily because god is you know all over the place and is confused about not knowing what to do no. <laughs> just you know i'm just saying but then it shows the it shows the omnipotency of god you know it shows how powerful he is so when he's having those conversations best believe that the expression that we have of god or the revelation that we have of god is in a sense it's not like it's it's belittling him but then in a sense it's 
it's how to explain it god is mightier than that so when god reveals himself as healer it's just a fragment it's like zero 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 point zero 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 one of who god is does that make sense so it's like he more than that he's more than healer he's more than provider he's more than all those things but god reveals himself to mankind in such a way that it is easy for us to understand and comprehend so when he moses was saying reveal yourself to me for god to reveal himself to him in his magnitude it will be overwhelming no man can withstand it even earth cannot do you get what i'm saying and that's why it's so powerful when we read that it pleased god to put the fullness of the godhead in christ that is such a magnanimous claim and you get it's like it's such a humongous it's a big huge claim and so when we think about christ dwelling in mankind you know it's it every time i think about it it just brings this it provokes like humility and awe just to see how this mighty, mighty, mighty God, you know, um, chooses to dwell in man through Christ, if that makes sense. So when God talks about that, like, oh, I am passing before you, the Lord is kind, you know, the Lord is in his, in, in, in his kindness and, and all that stuff you know he's revealing himself but it's a fragment of who he is to moses and let's believe that that's not his entirety so he's not just talking he's not talking he's not talking about you know a distant thing he's talking about himself but in a different expression of himself do you get yes i do so does that help does that you know Okay. So for, 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 let me just give an example. So for example, if I have a deck of if I have a deck of cards, right? I'm the creator of the cards. Yeah. But if I want to play the card, I have to play by the rules that I have established for playing that card. Yeah. It doesn't stop me from being the owner, but I have created rules from the very beginning. If I am walking with a child, a little child, and I'm walking slowly, it doesn't mean that I cannot walk faster. What I did is I just slowed down to, um, to make, you know, to, to make that child walk, walk at my pace or to walk at the child's pace. But then it looks to that child, it looks like that is the fastest that I can walk. Do you understand? It looks yes, like that is all. This is the fastest. This is all there is to this person. But then I know that I am limiting myself just to make myself reachable to this child. So that is literally when God interacts with man, right? Because man at this point, you know, and and that's why the more we walk with God, the, the deeper we go in him, the more we start to see that, oh my God, there is so much to God that we don't even know. You know, um, it's like when we start walking with God, you know, we see a fragment, we want, we run wild and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, it's so exciting. And that's beautiful because that excitement is to get us to keep coming back for more yeah. and more and more and more. But then the more we come back, the more we realize that, oh, you know, I, there's so much with God that I don't know. Yeah. And that's the experience with Moses. It's not like Moses, it says Moses was talking to God face to face. But if you read yeah. that scripture, it says that, 
Moses told him, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your face. And I'm just like, dude, how can you be so greedy? But then, you know, understanding the, the, the magnitude and the endless vastness of God, you know, you start to understand Moses' prayer. And then you understand that, ah, this God is just amazing. So even in revealing himself to Moses, that was just a fragment of, you know, um, of himself that he was revealing to Moses. And when David was talking about that prayer, the Lord said to my Lord, he was talking again about, you know, just the expression. And now the father was expressing himself as both God and, and son, you know, and that son is, again, a level that man can can that can make him reachable to man. Yeah. yeah. I get that. When I was when I read it, it was looking more like where it said, now the Lord descended in, in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So I felt like it was referring to Jesus. I don't know, but I just <laughs> because it said the Lord descended. Um, mm-hmm. the crowd and was proclaiming the name of the Lord. So I felt like um, the Lord, maybe Jesus Christ, in a mm-hmm. way, because we're relating it to what happened um, on the mountain with Jesus and mm-hmm. disciples. I just felt like Jesus came down and was proclaiming the name of the Lord. <laughs> How that got mm-hmm. into my head. <laughs> well, that was what I was thinking. Don't scrap it. When you think about when that kind of thing comes to your heart, you just write it down yeah. and you keep going back to it and you know you'll find light. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much.